0: So we're in this little uh, series about Noah and how Noah is a type of Christ. And as I said last week, you know, we can find that studying biblical characters uh, can help us in our walk with Christ to find out what they went through, how they overcame. You know, Noah was like Adam. All right, the father, uh, he and his wife, the mother and father, again, if you will, a second time of the human race because everybody was wiped out except he and his family. So what was it about Noah that he was able to overcome? You ever notice people in your life that they just seem like they can overcome anything? You know, it seems like you could be in the same situation and uh, you struggle and you, you, you're, you feel like you're in mud. You're not going anywhere. You're stuck. Uh, but you look at other people and it seems like they are just able to overcome. They're able to rise above it, you know, no matter what it may be. And uh, there's many reasons for that, not the least uh, of those being that they uh, speak the right thing. You know, for us as Christians, uh, you know, when you go into a situation, if you're going into a situation with fear, trepidation, if you're going into a situation and anxiety has overtaken you, I'm not telling you that you've never been anxious, but if it, if you allow that to take you over, all right, you're asking to not be successful, okay? But there was something about Noah and his family that enabled him uh, to overcome this situation, right? And it began with God. The favor of God said this several times, and please understand me when I say this. I am definitely not a person who is against hard work right? Many of you probably like me grew up uh, with a father or a grandfather. I had an uncle who taught me about hard work. I mean, he, when I wanted to go out on Saturdays and hang with my friends, there was a lot of times he had me, you know, working with him. He had a, some side job that he had to do, pulling cable, telephone cable, or building a cabinet. And uh, I didn't know about those things, but he said, come on. And, you know, uh, he, he taught me about hard work. So I am not a person who is against hard work, but but I can tell you this when you are in the favor of God there are places that the favor of God will get you that hard work will never get you right it will never get you and what what am I saying when I say that what I'm saying is now all of a sudden if you only rely on favor and don't do any work then God's going to say come on now you need to get up and do something all right so but if he sees you doing the work and, but you're saying, Lord, I'm doing my work, but all of, all of everything that I do is in your hands. I'm speaking your word, I'm trusting you, and then he'll get you into places that your work will never get you into, right? So Noah had the favor of God, the favor of God. If you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at the rest of that chapter very briefly and then uh, get into this a little bit today, beginning at verse 13. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. You may have a different version, the NIV or the traditional King James or uh, ESV or some other version, and we'll get to the same place together. Amen. But beginning at verse 13 of chapter 6, the Bible says, And God said to Noah... The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Can I just say something real quick? I know I want to read that all down, but uh, the Holy Spirit just uh, quickened this to me. You know, there are a lot of times my wife and I were talking about this. God spoke to Noah and he said, the end of all flesh is before me. I will destroy them with the earth. He said, I'm going to destroy everything. So do you think it would have been fruitful for Noah to then begin to pray, God, uh, don't destroy the earth. Make, uh, you know, let, let there be uh, favor, show mercy. Do you think it would have been fruitful? Maybe, possibly, it, it could have been. I know Abraham sat in at, at times. But, you know, I want to say, the Holy Spirit just, just quickened this to me. There's a lot of times that we pray for things that God's already spoken something. And you're praying, and God is say, it's saying, instead of praying, you should be preparing. Instead of praying, that sounds almost sacrilegious, doesn't it? He's saying, instead of praying for what I've, against what I've already said, you should be listening to the words that I said and preparing. You should be preparing. Think about that. Just take it in. It won't hit you now, but later on it may hit you. He said, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Uh, It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side you shall make it with lower second and third decks and behold i myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth two destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life everything that is on the earth shall die <clears throat> but i will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark you and your sons your wife and your sons' wives And every, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come To you to keep them alive, and you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Now, a very popular thing about Noah or Noah's ark. It, you know, it's, it's a very popular Sunday school theme, vacation Bible school theme, and whether you're watching Schoolhouse Rock or you're in, in you know, vacation Bible school or you're in Sunday school, one of the very popular facets of this is we always see the animals coming in two by two, just two of every animal. You know, we have see two, two skunks, two, two squirrels, two giraffes, two, you know, whatever it may be, two lions, two tigers, two bears, you know, two whatever it is uh, coming into the ark. And we get that obviously from verse 19, which says, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. But for your, you Bible scholars, you realize that there's a key word here in verse 19 that gives us a clue uh, that it wasn't just only uh, two of every animal. OK? Uh, and the key phrase here is, "You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive. They shall be male and female." So God here set a pattern. All right? He's bringing animals into the ark male and female. And if you notice, God specified, he just didn't say, Noah, you go into the ark and take your family. He specified you and your wife, your sons and their wives. Two of every animal, a male and his female. He never said bring two males, two females. All right, do I need to go any further into that? No, I don't, I don't think so. You see where I'm going with that. But over in chapter 7, we see that it wasn't just one pair of every animal. Over in chapter 7, you find that he said, bring seven pairs of every clean animal and two pairs. Now, the NIV says one pair of every uh, unclean animal, but... I believe it's two pairs, if you read the King James and New King James and kind of look it up. But it's it, it's not worth arguing about. If you believe it's one pair, that is fine. It's, it's not the point, okay? Brought this, I, I'm saying he brought seven pairs. He said bring seven pairs of every clean animal, two pairs of every unclean animal, and seven pairs of every bird of the air, okay? So it wasn't just two all right. So, uh, you know, whatever clean animal there is, there were seven pairs of that clean animal that came onto the ark, not just two. Okay. So why is that significant at all? Well, uh, it may not be significant to us spiritually, but when you think about the ark now all of a sudden you think about what a massive undertaking this was because how many animals could fit on the ark and now all of a sudden it's not just two of every animal it's seven pair of every clean animal and two pair every unclean animal and seven pairs of every bird of the air so there's more animals than we even thought that were on this ark okay Now, let's look at, let's look at Noah. This, I'm just, I'm just emphasizing the undertaking, okay? I'm emphasizing the undertaking. So when you feel like, listen, I'm up against it. You know, I'm going into this doctorate program and I just don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, we want to buy a house and I don't see because, you know, you're making this much money, honey, and and I'm making this much money and uh, it it just doesn't seem like we can buy a house right now or or whatever it is that you think you're going to do. I want you to understand that the undertaking that Noah had was insurmountable without God. By the way, one of the things that I also looked at Uh, talking about being insurmountable is the fact that, I guess I can get into this when we get into the genealogy here in a moment, is the fact that, you know, God spoke to Noah right when his boys were born. So he had to start building the ark right when his boys were born. So last week I was talking about Noah really probably, we don't know, but he probably didn't have much help other than his family and his boys. Well, for the first 10 years, he probably didn't have much help because his, his boys were babies. They were just born, okay? And so, um, you know, this was a massive undertaking. This was a massive undertaking. Now, look, Noah is in the genealogy of Seth, okay? He's, he's under the line of Seth, not under the line of Cain, right? And, uh, so th- th- and there's this distinction in chapter 5 with Seth that we don't see uh, in chapter 4 with Cain. Seth was born in Adam's likeness. And Adam was created in God's likeness. God very, uh, he makes that distinction, okay, about Seth. He does not make that distinction about Cain. And so Noah is on that in that line in God's likeness. And guess what? You are made in God's likeness. You are in that same line. Therefore, in the line of Seth, which included Noah, you know, the line of Seth were on the earth okay they were on the earth the, 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 you know the, the, those who you who are in the image of God who you would think they, they were following God they, they, they were all on the earth but God said that wickedness was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was wicked and evil continually I remember when my mom well, I got a call and found out that my mom had gallbladder cancer and um, which she eventually passed away from so she got gallbladder cancer and one of the things that I did when I went to Ohio back home and we talked to the doctor and I said you said that she has gallbladder cancer why can you not just operate and take her gallbladder out okay and the doctor said well you know the cancer has has kind of spread a little bit, and I said, "Well, why can't you just take out all the things that the cancer has spread to?" And the doctor was trying to explain to me that it would be fruitless because all of the things that we would have to take out uh, would leave her with nothing. <laughs> you know, so anything short of a miracle—I mean, operation wouldn't do anything—and I, and I was thinking, "Well, why is that?" And what. Lord showed me was is that you can't get rid of the cancer without getting rid of everything that's holding on to it and so when you think of why God said I am destroying everything on the earth you would say well there's the line of Seth is still here Lord I mean there's got to be a few good people but they had intermarried they had you know done all of these things and so while one person may be good if they're married to someone who's bad You can't get rid of the cancer unless you get rid of everything that's holding on to it. I don't know who this might be for this morning, but there may be something that you're dealing with. And God is saying, listen, you need to cut it out. You need to cut it out. Cut it out and cut it off. I don't know. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, I don't know what it may be. But God is saying that you cannot get rid of the cancer unless you get rid of everything that's holding on to it. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. You know what? It's called trusting God. It's called trusting God with everything you have. He is sufficient. His word is sufficient. His word enables us to overcome. His word is all we need. All right? You can't get rid of it unless you cut everything out that's holding on to it. You look at Noah look at the line of Noah. We go all the way back, obviously to Adam. And in my research, I was able to come up with the exact year that God destroyed the earth. You can, you can actually do that. If you, if you go back and look, now, I when I told my wife that she was like, what now you in the numerology, come on now. I said, no, no, I'm not into numerology uh, as, as such. Now I do believe that numbers have significance and all of that. Here's, here's where I am with everything everything as it, as it deals with God, you know, numbers mean stuff. I I believe prophecy means things, but whenever you put anything above God, including numerology, you're off. You're off. Okay. God has to be above all of that. Okay. Above all of it. All right. So Adam, Adam was 130 years old when he had Seth. Seth was born then in the year, I'm going to call it the year 130. Now, we didn't keep years like that. I know, Eldon, it goes backwards from when Christ was born, and, all right? But just for the sake of this conversation, okay, we're just going to start from zero and go up, all right? Is that okay? Is that all right, Brother Kevin? All right, I know it's not correct. You know, we got to go backwards. I get that, but we'll figure that out later, all right? So we'll just call it the year 130, even though that's not how we say it, all right? 130 years in, Seth was born. Adam was 130 years old. Adam lived to be 930 years old. He died then in what I would call the year 930. It wasn't really the year 930. I know, Jody, but all right, we've established that. But I'm calling it the year 930. 930 years, Earth, uh, not the earth, but 930 years mankind has been around. All right, Adam died. Seth was 105 years old when he had Enosh. All right, so he was then born in the year 235. okay. Because if Seth was born in the year 130 and he was 105 years old when he had Enosh, that means Enosh was born in 235. How's this for numbers? See, Sister Carol, you thought you got away from math and school, you know, we're doing some math this morning. Don't worry about it. It's true. All right. So Seth lived to be 912. He died in the year 1042. All right. And Enosh, his son, was 90 years old. This is all in Genesis, by the way. This is right out of Genesis chapter 5, by the way. I'm not giving you anything that's not in Scripture, okay? Enosh was born, uh, Enosh was 90 years old when he had Canaan, all right? So Canaan was born in the year 325, all right? Enosh lived 905 years. Starting to notice something about how long these people live? Right, lived 905 years, which means he must have died in the year 1140. Okay, how do we know he died in the year 1140? Well, because he was born in the year 235 and he lived 905 years. 905 plus 230. Okay, we got it. All right, so um, he lived uh, 900. So he, so he, Canaan then was 70 years old when he had Mahalalel, who was born in the year 395. Canaan lived 910 years. He died in the year 1235. All right, you with me? I know. Boring you to death? That's okay. Mahalalel was 65 when he had Jared. Jared was born in the year 460. Mahalalel lived 895 years and he died in the year 1290. Okay? Jared, his son, was 162 years old when he had Enosh, who was born in the year 622. Jared lived to be 862 years old, and he died in the year 1322. Enosh, 65 years old when he had Methuselah. You've heard of Methuselah, right? Methuselah was born in the year 687. Enoch only lived 365 years, and he was taken in the year 987. Remember, he's the one, Enoch, that the Bible says he walked with God. He was walking with God and he was not. He walked. I love that. He walked and he was not. He was taken in the year 987. Methuselah was 187 when he had Lamech, which is Noah's father. Uh, Lamech was born in the year 874. Methuselah lived 969 years, the oldest recorded living human being that we know of. Methuselah. My grandmother used to say, boy, that thing is old as Methuselah. 969 years. He died in the year 1656. 1656. Lamech, his son, Noah's father, was 182 when he had Noah. Noah was born in the year 1056. Lamech lived 777 years and he died in the year 1651 a few years before his dad methuselah so that's terrible to i had to outlive your own son but methuselah did that's what happens when you're the oldest living human being you want to outlive your son noah then was 500 years old Before he had, the Bible says he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now I don't know, you Bible scholars may know, I don't know if they were triplets, but it puts it all together in the Bible. says he was 500 years old and then he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So if they were born at the same time, they were born in the year 1556. The Bible says that Noah lived 950 years and it says he lived 350 years after the flood which means he died in the year 2006. So he didn't die that long ago, just about 15 years ago. (laughs) Of course, 2006 from, yes, we know. So he died 2,006 years from Adam. Noah died, all right? So the flood happened, according to the Bible, when Noah was 600 years old. So if you look at all of that, you would deduce that the flood happened 1,656 years after Adam the year 1656. That's when the flood happened. God, People were only around 1,656 years until God said, I am sick of y'all. I'm tired of this (laughs) and I'm sorry that I made y'all and I'm getting rid of everybody except Noah, who is 500 years old now. So he spoke to Noah and he said, when Noah was 500, and that's when he said these words, the end of all flesh has come before me. Noah was 500 years old. He had just had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah's saying, listen, I got babies. I I don't, why are you talking to me about this? We just, we just had some babies. We need some time off work. But he said, look, now is not the time to take off work. Now is the time for work. The flood didn't come till Noah was 600 years old. So a lot of people say, well, maybe he, he you know, was 120 years. We don't know how long. Yes, we do. It was 100 years from the time he was 500 to the time he was 600. He spent both building the ark and preaching to people because the Bible says in Hebrews that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah spent this time also preaching. Another side note to you, if you feel like what you're doing is fruitless, think of Noah. Noah was obedient. See, and we, we, want, we want to produce fruit, but obedience to obey is better than to sacrifice, right? To obey, King Saul had to learn that the hard way. To obey is better to sacrifice. It's up to God to give the increase. Paul said it. So if you're doing something in your life and you feel like it's fruitless, but if God told you to do it, then you just worry about what God told you to do. And you do that. You stick to his word and let him worry about the fruit that's going to come from that. Okay. So Noah was a type of Christ. Let me just give you four quick points here. This is just information, and I hope it's okay to just do a little teach. We'll get back to uh, preaching, you know, here in a couple weeks, but uh, this is just some teaching. It's good to to know about these characters and that they went through some of the same things that you go through in a different way, but we all go through these things, amen, and God still loved him, and God still used him in a mighty way, just as he will use you. Noah was a type of Christ in these ways. Number one, he prepared the way for salvation. All right, Noah built the ark. He, he was obedient to God, Genesis six fourteen, And in building the ark, Noah prepared a way for salvation of mankind. And I truly believe that if anyone would have responded to the teaching of Noah that they could have been saved as well. And you may say, well, the ark was only so big. Well, yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, scientists say, some scientists say, well, the ark, that, you know, the, what you're talking about really wasn't built to float or it wouldn't have uh, worked or, you know, they, listen, when God says it, it's going to happen. And if somebody would have responded, I believe there would have been room. Now, You can call that a miracle. You can call it whatever you want to. It's just God's word. There would have been room. I believe that. You know, but, but no one responded, okay? But he still preached for a hundred years. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Just do what God is calling you to do. So he prepared a way for salvation for all of mankind by building. Now watch this now. Uh, there's th- that word ark. One of the words for that word ark, one of the Hebrew words translates to tomb. So he prepared a way of salvation by building A tomb. A tomb. For salvation. Jesus prepared the way for salvation by what? Dying on the cross. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 and 20 says, therefore brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. Jesus provided a way for us through the veil that is his flesh, his flesh. So Jesus prepared the way Uh, God gave us a foreshadowing of that with Noah, how he built a tomb to get in that would be his very salvation. I I told this story several, several times uh, to different people, but I remember when my cousin was first saved, uh, and, uh, she, I had been talking with her, witnessing to her for years, some years, uh, as we, as we were growing up, I grew up in church and, uh, was witnessing, witnessing to her and, you know, all of these things. And finally one day she, I, I moved here to Indiana. She got saved. She gave her life to the Lord. And I'm telling you two weeks after that, two weeks after, uh, her conversion experience, she called me on the phone and said, you know, I've been praying and, and God told me to tell you that you need to read, uh, Genesis 6 about Noah's ark and so immediately, you know, being the super spiritual person that I was at the time, I was thinking, oh, you know, you just got saved and I'm sure, you know, you're just excited and you're telling me to read about this Sunday school story in Noah's Ark, okay? It's a, I've heard about, I've, I grew up in Sunday school, you know this, you know, you're my cousin and, you know, you, I've, I've taught on Noah's Ark at this, by this point in my life, you know, I, okay, so you, you're just excited, it's okay. So it took me two months, but after two months, I finally went back and read it, and it was one of the greatest revelations to this day that I've ever had for my life. And God was telling me just a few words, stay on the boat, because I was going through a time in my life where I was ready to give up. I was ready to do something different. You know, things were shaky, a storm. There were storms in my life, and God was saying, just stay on the boat. What you think is a coffin, what you think is a tomb, is your very salvation, I said, wow, okay, all right, Lord. <laughs> now, you tell me to do something, I'll do it. So he, the second thing is he finished the work that was given to him. How many of us start things and don't finish? All right, you don't have to raise your hand like me. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the one, though. We start things and don't finish. Noah started and finished what God had told him to do. In verse 22 of chapter 6, thus Noah did according to, here's my word, I love this word, according to all 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 that God commanded him so he did it's been one of my problems I just admit to you in life in my Christian journey God will give me things to do and I'll do a great great portion of them and I say come on God you know I was obedient all all he did all that God commanded him We know very well that Jesus, remember we're comparing this, Noah was a type of Christ. We we know very well that Jesus finished his work. You know the words, John 17, 4, he said, "I, I have glorified you on earth. He's praying to the Father. He says, I have finished the work which you have given to me. And we very well know on the cross when Jesus received that sour wine and he said, it is finished. It is finished. He went all the way to the end. God is encouraging us today to go to the end. Go to the end. Don't stop in the middle. Very often we give up right in the middle, right in the middle. Don't let let something discourage you right in the middle of something great. Go to the end. Number three, his salvation was complete. Genesis 7, 1, which we didn't read yet, but the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your household, because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. What am I saying when I say that his salvation was complete? That means he had room. The whole family could come in. He didn't just speak to Noah, you and your household, those who will listen, those who uh, you touch, those who believe the word. The, the, my, my salvation is complete. That's why I believe anybody who would have accepted what Noah was saying, what God was saying through Noah, anyone who would have accepted it, I believe there was room. There was, there was a, because God is complete. And I, I don't care about the dimensions. And I know you want to say that, you know, 45 cubits and, you know, 450 cubits and you want to measure that all out. And I get all of that. But I'm telling you that the word of God is greater than cubits. <laughs> greater than cubits, right? So it was complete. Noah entered in, right? His whole household entered in and all in the ark passed over the flood and, and into a new and purged world, right? And, and so it was complete. We know that Jesus' salvation is complete for us. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-seven says this, watch this. It says, for he has put, here's the word, all things under his feet, there is nothing that is not under the feet of Christ, no matter what you go through. Ephesians 1.22 says the same thing, and he put all things under his feet. This is why I roll with Jesus. <laughs> when people ask me, you know, uh, well, what about other? Isn't there, isn't there different ways to God? Isn't there different ways to the afterlife? Listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I want to be with the one who got up in front of everybody and said, I am the way there is no other way in fact he didn't he didn't just stop there Uh, you know what's funny about this thing is you want to talk about um you you know being abrasive you want to talk about being confident uh some people might even say arrogant all right you want to talk about that he said i am the way and it would have been enough if he would have stopped right there but then he said anybody who goes any other way is a thief and a robber those are harsh words Not only am I the way, most of us, it's like, well, if you choose me, that's great. If you don't, okay, you know, that's fine. He didn't say, no, that's fine. He said, you're a thief and a robber. You go any other way. That's the one I'm rolling with. That's the the ruler of the universe. All things are under his feet. His salvation is complete. You don't have to worry about it. And then lastly, and now watch this one. He entered in and he came out. Remember, I was talking about this word uh, for ark is also translated coffin or tomb, okay? can be translated coffin or tomb. Noah and his family, he, they entered in and they came out. They went into the tomb. They were baptized by the water. But after it all seceded, they came out. They came out. If God is telling you to enter in, enter in. And let everything else purge because you will come out. You will come out. There used to be this old gospel song. Many of you don't know it. I know, but uh, you know it used to talk about how uh, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet, and it says I shall come forth, and when I do, I'll be pure gold. I'll be pure gold. Genesis seven thirteen. On the very same day, Noah and his son, son Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and their three wives, uh, they all entered into the ark. Over in Genesis 8, 18, it says, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. They went in chapter later, they came out more than 300 days later. We're going to see that in our last message in a couple of weeks, more than 300 days later, they were in that ark for 300 days. So, in case you're thinking, "Well, I just been, I've been, I've been going through this thing," you know, I've been, I've been, I've been speaking it, and it just seems like it hadn't come to pass. Noah and his family were in the ark for more than 300 days, and they came forth to a new and purged world. We know that Jesus entered the tomb, but on the third day, what? He came out. He came forth. He came forth. Many of us today. Finish with this. Many of us today find ourselves in situations or maybe we've made decisions that led us to what we believe will be the death of us. (laughs) You ever heard that saying, this is going to be the death of me? Don't say that. All right. Or if you do, make sure that you're talking about your flesh. This will be the death of me, but this is the death of my flesh, that my spirit is going to come forth. My spirit is going to come forth. So I don't know what situation you might find yourself in, what, what you have gone through, all right? But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you will believe God's word, do all that he has called you to do, speak his word only and don't sabotage yourself. That could be a whole nother uh, message, but we, I guess we don't have time to get into it today, but we'll, we got plenty of time. We got time. But don't sabotage yourself with your own words. If you would do that, you are going to come out of it as pure gold. You're going to come out of it. Just like the Hebrew boys who went, they were men, they were young men, who went into the fire. You know that story, and we love the story. They went into the fire, but the Bible says when they came out, because they trusted Jesus, he was not only in there with them, but when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Not only were they not burned, but they didn't even smell like the smoke that they went through. I'm here to tell you this morning that that is what God is speaking to you today. He is saying, trust me, trust me in the fire. Speak my word only in the fire. Speak my word as you walk on water through the storm. And if you will trust me, you are going to come out on the other side as pure gold, and you're going to be an example to others. Amen.